What's up? This is Elliot Einhorn. Welcome back to the TalkHouse podcast. Today I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Amy Rose Spiegel, TalkHouse Music's Editor-in-Chief. And we have a hell of a show for you. Why Oak and Flock of Dimes' Jen Wozner in conversation with Lower Den's Jenna Hunter. This talk was recorded in the Sonos Room at Rough Trade in Brooklyn for Northside Festival. Regular listeners might remember a recent conversation that we taped here with Jalen and William Basinski and should also stay tuned for our next and final Northside podcast with Martin Rev of Suicide and Juliana Barwick. Amazing talks, one and all, and such a fantastic festival. Now, I want to briefly introduce listeners who might not be familiar. Jen Wozner is an incredibly prolific artist, best known as half of the band Why Oak. Why Oak have actually just announced their new album, coming out April 6th on the Fantastic Merge Records and dropped the title track as a single. It's called The Louder I Call, The Faster It Runs. Check it out. She also has a solo project called Flock of Dimes. Now, I got to catch one of Flock of Dimes' first ever shows. It was just Jen on stage surrounded by drum machines and synthesizers down in Austin for Austin City Limits two years back. When I saw Flock of Dimes with electronic beats, with vintage synth sounds, I was blown away. And while Jen was still a little bit nervous about rolling out the solo project, I thought they were absolutely fantastic and could not wait for them to release a record. The next year... She released two records, Tween with Y Oak and Flock of Dimes debut, If You See Me, Say Yes. That was in 2016. This talk takes in a lot of the genesis of the Flock of Dimes record. I'd love to play you a song from this record, Birthplace. Check it out. Pretty good, right? Yeah, pretty awesome. Um, I also want to point out that Jen is a really prolific contributor to TalkHouse's editorial side, and you can find her reviews and criticism and awesome playlists at TalkHouse.com. She's an artist I've been wanting to bring over to the podcast for a long time. We were so glad that she was able to do this. Also, I've got to just give her a quick shout out. Fans, have you seen her custom guitar? We're going to social a picture of this. This is amazing. What does it look like? Black and white rock and fucking roll. Sick. Okay. <laughs> Gonna have to check that out. Now, she and Jana go back a ways. Right. Didn't they work at a restaurant together they in did Baltimore, Elia? Can did. you tell us that story? They worked in a BMOR restaurant. Jen as a waitress, Jana washing dishes in the back. And and they do get into it a little bit in this podcast. That's kind of tight because now they're also uh, colleagues in a different kind of way, not only on this podcast and of course musically, but uh, Jana also contributes really beautifully to Talk House brilliant writer. Yeah. So they've been running kind of in the same circles for a long time. Mm. Amy Rose, I know that you and I are both pretty big Lower Dens fans. Yeah. uh, You should have seen me in college when basically all I did after class was lie on my bed and listen to New (laughs) Tropics. Yeah. I thought I was very sophisticated listening to Lower Dens because their sound is just so polished and elegant. Um, So their most recent record is Escape from Evil from 2015. And let's play To Die in LA from that record. (laughs) 
I know you love that song, Elliot. That, that is my favorite song on this record. Absolutely love the record. Absolutely adore that song. Yeah, really gorgeous. So this talk finds these two uh, being really honest about what their place is right now, they feel in their respective careers. And they share a lot of, you know, their fears, but also their hopes. Um, they give each other advice and there's a lot of love and mutual respect. There that we is, hear here. there is. There's also some love and mutual respect, surprisingly, for ABBA. <laughs> Lower Dens were at Northside Festival performing an all ABBA set. That's really great. They chop it up. They get into the pros and cons of seeding control in their creative processes. They talk about how tech researchers aren't thinking enough about songwriters, which I thought was really intriguing. That was fascinating. They talk about the baggage of being, quote, a girl with a guitar. Uh, yeah, that old chestnut, of course. <laughs> and they also go into the fact that Jen feels that she's about ready to produce other artists, which I would love to hear. Oh my and think God, is I'd really love cool. to hear that. Should we hear this talk? Yeah, let's do it. Roll tape. Hey, it's me, Jen. Hi. Hi, Jen. I, I'm here with my good friend, Jenna Hunter. Hey. And we are both sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> so just going to let y'all know right off the bat, all of you listening at home and listening here in this record store, which is, I'm sure, what you came here to do, um, <laughs> we're yeah. sleepy. Yeah. That's um, a great introduction, Jen. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. I yeah. got you. So last time we hung out, we were at Moogfest in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. And the last time I saw you, uh, directly before we parted ways, I uh, fell spectacularly. Oh, yeah, you did. In front of a room full of people. The entire bar actually screamed because they thought there was no way I could not be injured. It was that kind of fall. Yeah, it was like a prep fall. It was it a was, total prep fall. Yeah, it was, like you had been, <laughs> it was like you had been training for it. Yeah, I hadn't. It was amazing. And I didn't even spill my drink. Yeah, I know. But yeah. I was deeply embarrassed. I was just hanging out with all these people and I hadn't seen in a while. So you, a really you, wouldn't time. you wouldn't stop insisting that you were okay, yeah. like from the moment you hit the ground. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm okay. Great. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. Great. That was the last time we hung out, so I just wanted to let you know that I am okay. Yeah, I I know you're okay. No lasting injuries of any kind. Yeah. Not even a bruise. Good. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah. But anyway, we had fun at Moogfest. I made a drum machine. You watched someone control a synthesizer with their brain. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other things happened. It yep. was cool. Um, but anyway, since then, I've been trying to brainstorm questions to ask you. Okay. Um, and... Uh, We've known each other for a really long time, so I feel like I've asked you a lot of questions already. Um, but there is one question that I wanted to ask you um, that I've never asked you because it's not the kind of thing you just kind of like ask a friend in like a chill hanging out scenario. Okay. Um, and it's, um, how is your cat? How's my cat? No, it's not. That's not the question. <laughs> um, no, my question is, you are a musician that I admire very much. And this is going to be awkward because we're both really bad at taking compliments, but mm -hmm. I'm going to try and make it as painless as possible for you and me. Um, I really admire your work. I always have. I think you're great. Uh, and I would think that even if I didn't know you as a human being. Um, but one of the things I've always admired about you is the fact that you are invested in um, kind of trying to use uh, technology in a forward-thinking way, but you work in uh, a very traditional form, in the form of like songwriting. Um, and so my question for you is, as someone who I've always considered um, as a very forward-thinking person, what continues to bring you back to working 
do you still believe in songwriting? Do you still believe in songs as a thing? And why do you work within those forms? And I don't, honestly, I know you're making a new record now. Maybe you're not working within those forms anymore. I don't want to assume. But in the past, like, what is compelling about the form for you that continues to make you want to make music that way? Well, I, uh, I mean, I don't always want. I don't always want to work in song form. Uh, sometimes that's not what's most interesting to me. But I do think that what what I'm more interested in is in uh, finding ways to communicate with people in the show space. And I find that the traditional song form is still the best way for me to do that because that's where my skills are. I think that if I felt confident doing something like more progressive or less like tied to that tradition, Mm -hmm. then I would do that. And that's what interests me more, like as a audience participant or whatever. Those are the kinds of shows I go see where people are really exploring like the The outer reaches or like way outside those bounds. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the same way actually. And I feel like that's something I've had, I've had to really struggle with over the years as far as um, that is, I think you're an excellent songwriter. And I also feel like that's where my particular skill set is. It is like the quickest way and the most effective way for me to reach people, which is the entire point. But I did struggle with that for a really long time because I feel like it's, I mean, I also think the last time we hung out, we talked a lot about how it's like somewhat of a youthful thing to um, issue tradition and sort of be like, I am unique and I am special and I am I am a part of nothing and I am completely separate. And um, as I get older, I sort of like have become of coming back around to a lot of these, the value of a lot of these like forms and traditions. Yeah. Um, but it's been it's been something of a struggle for me and. I think it's something I've always really admired in your work. Like you, I think you bring those two worlds together in a way that I've always found really moving. And I think I know from experience that it's really, really difficult to do. So. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, it's true. I believe, I I believe that's it. true. It's co- I mean, it's cool to hear you say that. <laughs> I think it's true. It's true. That's like, the, that's like, I, I mean, mean your, your music is great and you're a really cool person. So thanks, you just have you to too. sit with that now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just, just live in that compliment for a little while. Okay. I'll work on that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that one thing that you and I share in common is that we kind of like, uh, like to make our own recordings so that we get the opportunity to kind of uh, to experiment a lot with all the things which in in like traditional song forms are more like accoutrement like the structures of songs and the textures and the like sound layers all that kind of like geeky stuff Mm -hmm. that that I can't really I, I don't really know how to talk about that without actually going into it but you know what I mean like that and that's um, maybe why we were both in, like, at Moogfest and, like, running around and doing all that stuff. I mean, like, you start getting into the boundaries of building sound and there's kind of infinite capabilities in a way that makes it possible to still be a traditional songwriter and kind of get your kicks at the same time. Yeah, and to feel like you're doing something that is is pushing the boundaries as you understand them and currently feel them as best you can. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also think that a lot of like my, the pushback that I've felt, um, identifying with the, 
like even be able to sit here and call myself a songwriter is something that maybe a couple of years ago would have felt inherently really uncomfortable Why? to me. Um, I think because it, I present really female and feminine. And I think that a lot of people take a look at someone who looks like me and it's just like, you're a singer songwriter. And that was from a really young age. Like I would go and I would have, oh, a, yeah. you know, like a, yeah. a girl with a guitar has like a certain like a set of baggage in our culture that like I always felt was put upon me without outside of my uh, against my will not necessarily even against my will because I love songs and I love you know I love the form and I've like studied it and I I enjoy I still enjoy working within those boundaries but uh, I feel like it was something that was being put on me or like assumed about me for a really long time and so um, and it's in my nature when I feel that happening to resist it and kind of try and defy people's expectations about it as best I can um which is why it's kind of feels especially funny and ironic for me now to just be like, no, this is, this is like, this is my craft. Like this is something that I do and do well and like feel like has value and to have come that far with it is, is interesting. But, uh, but I do think that there's still room to, like you were saying, to kind of build a universe of sound that is interesting and compelling and forward thinking within that. So do you think that you'll go into production at some point, like producing records for other people? I would like to. I think you would be really good at it. I would love to. I mean, I think that it's a skill set that I've been sort of slowly chipping away at over time. I think you've chipped away more than you believe that you have. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe it's just a matter of like the classic thing of like believing you deserve to be in the room, which is something that I'm not like socialized to think about myself. You yeah. Know? You should just let other people assure you that you're, you belong in those rooms. Yeah. I'm working on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I do get out belong in those rooms. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> let me in your room. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's something I've always wanted to do. It's always something I find really interesting um, and exciting. It's something that I don't know how one does. You Nobody know? knows how you do it. You just you just have the tools and you train your ear and you just do it. That's how that's how everybody does but it. But yeah, like where do you like where do you find your like fresh ripe talent? You know, where do you find the like the artist that needs the like guiding hand? I don't know. I just feel like most of the people that I encounter and along the way are people who are like like have their shit together. Um and I, yeah, I just don't know how to get into that. I kind of think work. that if you broadcast the fact that you're interested in it, then I think that people will come to you. Wow. Well, it's a it's a good thing we have these these microphones in our hand right now. Then. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we're on this podcast. <laughs> did, did you realize we weren't just hanging out? Can you can you feel the echo of our our voices being projected into the giant room just to the periphery of our? I can f I can feel it inside my. Self-consciousness. I know. It's really it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's deeply weird. It is um, weird. It is weird because you and I know each other really well and we talk all the time, yeah. but not normally with microphones in our hands. Yeah. Like we're past yeah. the point where we can ask each other the sort of like stock, like, so, you know, tell me about you. How'd you, how'd you get into music? Yeah. Like, I guess I could do that, but like it would be for other people's benefit, not necessarily my own. Yeah. Either way, I appreciate your compliment. I would love to produce other people's records. I do think I'd be probably pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be a really, really humbling process at first um, because my way of working on things is so hyper-specific to me 
that I think learning how to bring other people into the fold, or rather like, it also revolves a lot around happy accidents, which I, I tend to embrace. Um, and I think one of the things about being a truly good producer is um, actually being able to do the thing where someone's like, I want this. And then you're like, I know exactly how to do that and I'll do it right now, which I have a little bit of that, but I also feel like a lot of what I do is um, going for that and then becoming more enamored of the result, which is not really what I was going for in the first place. Yeah. Um, which I think is, you know, maybe that's, maybe it's a case of like, that's how everyone works, but no one really admits that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but I do think that if somebody is choosing to work with someone as a producer, they have to, to a certain extent, they, they either have to have some sort of agreement beforehand, like, look, this is how it goes. I make, I make the rules here mm-hmm. or, uh, or we are like collaborative and and I personally think that that's that's better. I think that if somebody chooses to work with you, they ought to let your voice in and see what happens between the two of you. Because I always feel like that uh, any any kind of collaboration that allows for that is better than where you have uh, you know kind of a mishmash of like hashed out. <laughs> a mishmash of hashed Hash out, out compromises, <laughs> you know, and that's what it sounds like. Like, like it ends up being like one, of, you know, like a terrible three hundred million dollar movie that yeah. nobody wants to watch. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. I think that trying to find that line is something that is really exciting to me. And I tend to do a lot of my work alone, mm-hmm. um, even in collaboration. It's usually alone because you know Andy, my bandmate in Wyoke. For those of you who don't know, Jana knows. <laughs> I feel weird. <laughs> um, he lives in Texas. So even when we're working together, we're separate. We're like, we're in different rooms in different places. Um, and so that's what I'm most accustomed to is kind of having a lot of space and privacy to tweak and fiddle until I'm happy with the result of what I'm getting before I send it off into the world. But it's a lot more immediate and a lot more um, intimidating in a lot of ways to be in a room with someone else. Um, but I I miss, like I'm a little bit of a control freak, but I miss working with people in a way that I, I want the things that are out of my control. I want to allow them into the music I make, but it's really, really hard for me to let go enough to do it. So I think they would it would be it would be a humbling it would be really um helpful in that in that process for me to to work with more people and on music that is not necessarily my own. Yeah. Um and I think it would it would be the kind of thing that would come back around to my own stuff and um yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's something I'm definitely interested in if you know anybody. Send them my way, by all means. I mean, if they're good. If they're bad, don't don't bother. Okay, so if if you're good out there, <laughs> well, that <laughs> then but, hit Jen up. But people who are good generally don't think they are. So if you're bad, holler at your girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to... <laughs> that's, that's right, right? That'll work. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> if you think that there's better music out there, but you're okay, I'm your girl. <laughs> Come straight, come straight here. No, nah, man, it's cool. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a great compliment to hear. It means a lot. But yeah, I, I do, I do enjoy that sort of thing. And it's been one of the most empowering things in my life has been learning how to take more charge over uh, 
every aspect of the music making process, which is not something that I always, it's not a skill set that I always had. Yeah. So I feel the difference in how I relate to the music that I make and how much I enjoy it and how much I want to live with it. Um, and that, you know, that was something that I would love to pass on to as many other people as I can, if I can. Cool. Cool. So what else should we talk about? <laughs> uh, what are you working on? Good question. I'm working on a Wyoke record right now. Cool. Um, which is fun. Um, like I said, it's, it's, like, it's still the stage right now where it's me in my little room in my little house in North Carolina with um, all my stuff. Um, What's your stuff? Um, I have some stuff. I have, um, well, I... Uh, how deep should we get with this? Like, I don't care. You don't care? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, well, I have like a little mini studio in my house. So I have a, an Apollo, a Universal Audio Apollo 8 uh, interface, a um, bunch of microphones, a um, couple of amps, a couple of synths. I have my Juno 6. I've been borrowing my friend Nick's uh, Profit. Um, what? Yeah, which has been really fun. I cool. use that a bunch on it. Um, he's a very generous man. Which Profit? Um, the 6 or the 5. Cool. Um, yeah, and uh, that's been really fun. So now I'm in that hole where, like, you use something a bunch and then you have to give it back and then you have already come to need it. So I'm. Can you just pretend like you did already give it back and he forgot? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I could get away with that. Okay. I'm in like pre debt where I like know I'm going to have to like bite the bullet because I've already come to require You're it. You're going to have to bite the bullet and tell him that, and buy that it. you lost it. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know what happened to it, dog. Yeah. It's. It's weird. It's strange. I just showed up one day. I was gone. Um, but yeah, so I've been, I mess around with that stuff. Um, you know, just bits and bobs, odds and ends. A lot of stuff in the box. In the box is a music industry term for, no, I'm sorry. I'm I, not doing that. Uh, this whole set is pretty much in the box. Yeah. Yeah. Ableton? Yeah. Cool. I'm not even singing. You're not singing? Nope. And Nate's not playing the drums. Wow, it's just, it looks just, like it, but it's all Arturia yeah. synths. Oh, cool! That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's gonna be great. They've gotten really advanced. They're really in the advanced. Last couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. Um, last couple of weeks. You, when you play guitar, do you exclusively play the Jen Wozner guitar? No, no. I mean, I, maybe I should say that, um, but no, I don't. I mean, the Jen Wozner guitar is very close replica of many of the other Reverend guitars that I play. Yeah, and I tend to gravitate to Reverends for live uses because I find that they're they're great. Like they're um, not so expensive that you're worried about them getting messed up. Um, that they're versatile and they're sturdy and yeah. they hold tune really well. But um, when I have a um, guitar that I actually really love, I've been I rediscovered a guitar that I forgot that I had, which is this old like '50s Harmony Rocket like hollow body. Oh, um, yeah. That I love, but I would never take that on tour, you know, uh, yeah. not in a million years. Um, so I don't know. I don't exclusively play my own signature guitar because I'm not a giant douche. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a, that's a tool move. Um, but, um, but yeah. And I, you know, I, that's at this point, like I'm in Wyoke, I'm playing bass or keys as much as I'm playing guitar. Um, yeah. It's kind of becoming like a little bit of an equal split, so... It's more fun. Holds my attention a bit more. Yeah. Cool. I gotta get my. I gotta get those Arturias in. So man, I, if I could uh, get to a place where I didn't have to worry about protecting my vocal cords on tour, I'd be a much happier lady. Because that's my least favorite thing about. I mean, yeah, I love to you sing. You can but get. You know, you can get an Arturia synth that completely 
um, replicates you on stage. That's perfect. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even need to. We don't even need to leave the comfort of our of our homes. No. Nope. Just send send the uh, hologram out. Yeah, it's like man arrest or man for the mm-hmm. for the digital age for the twenty first century. Yeah. Hey, are you still using that cool headset mic? Nope. No. What do you got now? I use a Telefunken M eighty one. Gotcha. They sound good. They do sound good. Is, is it strapped to your face with, with duct tape? Because <laughs> I really like that. That was a cool move. I just I I just unhinge my jaw, <gasps> and then I like have a clamp in there, and I yeah. put the Sick. the mic in there. Yeah. Are you yeah. Are you an Android? No, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should believe. No, you. I want to use that wireless mic. Yeah. But uh, it's not made for like rock shows. It's mm. made for musicals, and I mm. you know, I still have. A drummer that yeah. I play with, and it doesn't really... That's tough. It doesn't really work. That's disappointing, because I was actually thinking about ripping you off and getting one of those, because I thought it was so cool. As but. long as you don't have any bandmates, it's fine. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that'll be the case. I was playing with those... So when we were at Moogfest, I was playing with those um, sensory percussion drums. Oh, yeah, those are awesome. And as often happens when I find something like that, I immediately started conceiving of a totally new band set that would revolve around me playing those and singing with one of those cool ass headset mics and I've been daydreaming about it but the problem the only problem is that I own none of those things so that's just step one (laughs) the rest is easy would it just be you and those and the drums it would just be me playing the drums as percussion instrument and then also as a melodic instrument because you can do that with those things they're crazy yeah yeah Um, and then singing and would you also sing yes that's a lot to do. I can do it. I believe you. <laughs> I mean, it would take a lot of practice, but I've seen you weigh tables. I've got, yeah, I know what you can do. I was an excellent. Can you just verify really quickly that I was just really a great waitress? You were the best. You Thank were the you. best waitress. Thank you. It's yeah. my only other skill, which is convenient because I'm sure I'll have to fall back on that at some point in my life. Yeah, I I could I never saw anybody coordinate as well as you did while also like uh, making the customers believe that you actually cared. Those motherfuckers liked me. Yeah, they did. They really liked me. Yeah, they were charmed. Do you remember that one time a table came in and they were like, we used to work at the same restaurant just to, in Baltimore. just to, And they came in and they were like, oh, hey, do you remember us? We came in three months ago. I was just like, no. I've waited on like 5,000 people since then. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's an insane thing. But when think. they left, they thought that you had a bond for life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah man. You were I, a good I reached waitress. in and I, uh, yeah. one time uh, when I was waiting tables there, I, um, I went to like get someone a drink and I came back and I caught them looking at pictures of me on their phone uh, while I was waiting on them. That's cool. That was really cool and definitely yeah. made me very comfortable yeah. in their presence. Yeah. Uh, it was a really polite, cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite memories of being at Golden West actually is, well, because you were talking to me about... Um, what you wanted to name your band before you had settled on Lower Dens. And I remember being like, Lower Dens is an excellent band name. And then I remember when you were washing dishes and you had your little dish apron on and you got the CDs, the Twin Hand Movement CDs. And I just have this really awesome picture of you with this Twin Hand Movement, like holding it up in your dish. Oh my God, for real? Yeah. You have oh my God, photo? I probably have it on my phone like right now. I could probably find it for I you. I would like it. It's just, you just look like... I'll be posting that on some... Social media. Medias. Oh, yeah. I'll get it for you. Because I, I, I think of it sometimes because you just seem really, really happy. But also, you're just in the, like, bleakest... Like, a dish room in a restaurant is just, like... 
Well, I was probably really happy because I was washing dishes. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I, I also interrupt. realized <laughs> that I was going to have to like go on tour. Yeah. And then when I was holding the CD and then I was really depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it captures all of that. Yeah. The pathos. It's just like written all over your face. Yeah. It's a really good one, but I'll, I'll find it for you and send it to you because it's That nice. dish room was great. It was... You want to talk about some other stuff? Yeah, I guess we should talk about some other stuff. <laughs> what are you working on? You asked me, I need to ask you. Well, uh, for the past couple of weeks, I've been working on these ABBA songs. Oh, yeah. Um, which has been like a... Mostly, most of my job has been uh, like programming sounds. I'm kind of a little programmed out at the moment. Yeah. But I had a lot of fun doing it. Like, I didn't realize how insane all of, all of their arrangements are. They're really wild. Yeah, they really are, are uh, really intense. And I can't imagine like what the atmosphere was in the studio when those guys were like, no, yeah, I do want to do like a fifth different piano part. Yeah. Um, that's one of, that's what I like about that band the most. It's just like, it's total excess. And there's a, a lot of really smart stuff going on mm-hmm. in the arrangements too. Like yeah. I never would have given them credit for all that stuff if I hadn't really dug into it. Because I love these songs when I was a kid, and they're mm-hmm. the kind of songs like a little kid mm-hmm. will remember these songs for life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then they're still like kind of endlessly fascinating. Well, not endlessly. I am. I am. Yeah. There's a limit. <laughs> I am, you found the I limit. I am limited. Uh, they, yeah. they are not, but I am. Yeah. There is a limit, and I have found it yeah. uh, in preparing for this show. Yeah. Um, do you think you're going to do this again at some point? I was thinking about it. Yeah. You should do it more. Oh, I think we're going to do it in Be More. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, please. I would love to come see you guys do that, do this in Baltimore. But I'll also try to make it tonight. Okay. See, um, see what you can do. What else have you been working on? I know you're working on making a new Lower Dan's record. Is that right? Yes. And you are in, you finished the writing or so you told me last time we hung out? Yeah, yeah. I finished writing uh, the songs and, and working on uh, lyrics, but then we kind of like, we've been taking a little bit of a break, both for, uh, to get, just to go hang at Moogfest and mm-hmm. then to, to do this. And we have one other kind of like side project um, to work on. But I'm pretty, we're pretty excited about the record. I think it's good. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. What is the um, writing process? Do you write? with Nate or do you write separately or how does it, how does it work for y'all? I, well, how it's been going is for this record is that I will write on my computer and then give the songs to him and let him kind of do whatever he wants with them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. It's different for every, every record. Yeah. I've been doing this kind of fun, weird, fun thing um, with Wyoke where Andy's been sending me like full, complete drum tracks mm-hmm. and I've been writing to those which is kind of the opposite of the way we have typically done it oh yeah that's cool which has been really fun because it you know it's obviously like a great example of just like a limitation that exists that takes a lot of options off the table and it's I found it to be like incredibly inspiring to just be able to crank something out and in, in the exact form like you have the form in front of you it exists in the form of this drum, tra- drum track, which I really try. I've been trying to not alter, yeah. Um, which sometimes I cheat and do, but you know, for the most part, I try and take it as a whole thing and then make the best song I possibly can with that thing kind of in reverse. And it's been really fun to do. I think it's helped me to subvert a lot of tendencies that I maybe lean into um, when I'm 
just left with a blank page. In what are those? That's a good question. You'd probably be better suited to tell me than I would. I mean, you can listen to my music f- as from the perspective of a listener, which I will never be able to do. So, I mean, when I tell people, like, for example, like, I'll be like, oh, hey, like, I wrote this new song, and, like, it's a total Joni Mitchell ripoff. And I play it for someone, and they're just like, I just, I don't hear that at all. Like, that just sounds like you. I feel like I'm, in a lot of ways, the worst person to ask about what my music sounds like and how people, what people hear in it. Well, then, then if that's true, then I think everyone is the worst person to ask because it's always going to be some sort of individual interpretation. Like, they're going to always be in- interpreting it from their weird individual perspective. Yeah. Like, we all have those relationships to music it's really silly to think that we would have any like we would even be capable of having anything else yeah but it is different I think when you're the person that made it I think that there's a there's another layer to well, there's another layer of scrutiny and yes. like subconsciousness yes maybe yeah. several layers even if you're me yeah um but but yeah I mean I think about that a lot like I mean even last night to be like yeah I'll, I'll never see my band play it's not a thing that's possible. I mean, maybe someone will invent some sort of space-time continuum where in the for future bands. I can actually get to see my... Yeah, that's the first priority, I think, for how they would use that, <laughs> <laughs> is to allow other people to see their own bands. And I was having this conversation with one of the... You, you know the you know how, like, people from, like, MIT and Georgia Tech were at Monkfest? <laughs> I was having a conversation with, with a guy and really enjoying this conversation, talking about tech stuff that was possible and I was like you know wouldn't it be cool if I could just think a song in my head and then it would be like in the computer the way that I thought of it Mm -hmm. and he was like yeah you know I don't think that when I think about technology that's what I'm thinking of I'm thinking more (laughs) like uh, could I make it possible for someone with uh, like who isn't fully able-bodied to to have and I was like oh yeah oh yeah probably yeah yeah, you're right everyone needs songs yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude I mean that just goes to show how single-minded you can be when you do this yeah but um but I don't know I mean I'm not sure I feel like I got a sense from being at that festival that it's not entirely an unthinkable prospect maybe perhaps not in our lifetime but maybe I don't know yeah I don't know uh I I went to a lot of those workshops and it's really I mean it's hard to to say as a like as a civilian like (laughs) I don't really understand any of the science it's Mm. really fascinating um from a kind of audience perspective Mm -hmm. But I guess my point where I was going with that was like, wouldn't it be kind of amazing to like, you know, the more kind of barriers you can remove mm-hmm. between people's, the like the vulnerability of the creator and the vulnerability of, 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 the, of the listener, like kind of like remove people's uh, immediate instincts to, to judge and uh, to, in, to interpret it through their own filters so that we can have opportunities to experience each other as we experience ourselves. Ourselves, absolutely. That would be cool. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think I, one of the reasons why I'm excited about what technology offers us, at least in a creative forum, is that I want more people to be able to share their ideas. And a lot of the music that I'm most drawn to is made by people who, before these developments, probably wouldn't have been able to make the things that they make because um, it's a different skill set entirely. Yeah. Um, and it opens doors to people who 
are intensely creative. Who's can you can you give an example? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think just like in general, like electronic music or like computer music as a whole, like opens doors, creative doors to people that like with you know to be able to inhabit sound and express their ideas in ways that was that were impossible, you know, not long ago. Um, yeah, or at least much more difficult. You kind of did need like a technical training. Yeah, you'd need to learn an instrument or, you know, and so I, I don't know, I feel like, I mean, obviously like I still play instruments and I still work at getting better at them, but it, what's really exciting about that to me is it's just like it's a great technology as an equalizer, you know, yeah. allowing more people to have access to mm-hmm. ways to bring their ideas to life. And, you know, I'm all for as much of that as possible and I'm all for as, as much accessibility of that as possible. Like, the cheaper this technology gets, the more people can get their hands on them, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Are there any um, technological devices you would like to build? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Man, let's think about this. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, because I play those those drum sensors, those drum triggers, those, like, hyper, hyper advanced um, and melodic and, and... incredibly sensitive triggers, um, that that felt to me like one of the most like tactile examples of something that's existed for a while, which is basically just like triggering and sampling, but it felt so much more like human and immediate and performative. Um, and so kind of more extensions of that sort of thing with different instruments and sounds would be exciting for me, but I'm not sure that I'm, I really have like the inventor's mind in this scenario, but I kind of, it's one of those, like, I know it when I see it sort of things. You have know? you played that, uh, have you played with that, that Fishman MIDI pickup? No, I've heard a lot about it, actually. I have one of those if you want to check it out. Yeah, I think we it's actually pretty, talked about this before. I would love to check that out. It's pretty amazing. It's really, it works really well, right? Yeah, it does. It, like, interprets different parameters really well. So you really can get, like, a most or maybe even all of, like, mm-hmm. the full expression of what you're doing on a guitar through, like, express Any through MIDI. Sound that you could yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I have an old, old Casio mini guitar back when the technology was super new, and it's it's actually like delightfully unreliable. Yeah, yeah. Like I, love I like that, that too. Where yeah, it's totally. Just sort of like it's it's doing a kind of a bad job, but in a in a good way. Yeah. Um, but it would be really interesting to to actually be able to use the guitar as a controller in a way that's reliable and consistent because the Casio, what is it, the DG ten or whatever it is, I don't know. It's not consistent or reliable, but it is fun and it does look super cool. That's sometimes important. That's important. Yeah. It's important. Mm. I just took a sip of my Topo Chico. Um, well, I'll try and, I guess I should try and do some sort of like summary of our conversation. Okay, let's hear it. But I mostly just want to say again that it's been really exciting watching uh, what you do and watching it from the perspective of a friend and someone who actually knows you um, and also an admirer of your work. And um, I think you're really great. I think what you're doing is awesome. I can't wait to hear your new record. I'm super pumped about it. I feel the same way. Well, thanks, buddy. <clears throat> I didn't mean to say it like that. My throat was actually... It's <laughs> just that's like what, that's what's, what's happening <laughs> from singing Abba. Like, I know, man. Those songs are hard to sing. i throw my throw my voice out. You got your work cut out for you. I really think my voice is going to go I know during the set it. tonight. If that happens, I'm expecting you to jump on stage and finish, finish, I'll do this, what I can. finish the set. I, I blew my, I completely blew my voice out last night. Like I, I, yeah. I knew that I would have nothing left at the end and I, I absolutely don't. Cool. So you're on your own. But I know you can do it. Okay, thanks. Because I've heard you do it before. <laughs> you got, you got pipes. You're going to, you're going to be fun. We'll see. I, yeah, 
I didn't realize that was kind of like the the thing that I underestimated uh, the most the was singing? was the singing. It's hard singing because you know they have two singers. They do, and I'm just one singer. They're just one, yeah. And uh, they they make it seem like they both have these incredible ranges, and I'm sure that they do. I, I don't really have that much of a range. But I think that one of them has a low voice and one of them has a, has a high voice. And they combine. And it makes it seem like they have, like, together this, like, three-octave range. It's like uber voice. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough singing. That was the first thing I thought of. I was just like, it's very ambitious. But I know you can do it. In fact, I would really like to hear you do it because I also think that, like, bringing some, not to say that you're going to be a mess or anything, but bringing some imperfections into the mix with those songs. Those oh, are great we're bringing songs. it. Oh, you're bringing it. Yeah. They will be imperfect. Oh, yeah. Um, I think actually will be really satisfying, you know? We'll see. I have a tendency to, like, hyper-perfect things, but I really like when things are, like, a little ragged. So, like, I'm, I'm excited about that aspect of it. I, well, think I always kind cool. of, like, aim beyond my capability and then don't get everything right, uh, which is always disappointing. But always different <laughs> and better than you expected. That's true. No, I think that's, I don't that's know, it. I don't that's know. it. What you just said is, is like my entire <laughs> ethos about making music is 100% just aim for better than you can do and hit slightly below it. <laughs> and with that... <laughs> I think that's it. That's, that's I think it. that's We're a great good, place right? to leave it. <laughs> Very solid advice, Elliot, don't you think? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Punch above your weight. Jenna Hunter, Jen Wozner, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. To Northside Festival, thanks again for having the Talk House curate all of these events in the Sonos Room at Rough Trade. As Amy Rose mentioned, listeners, you can hear brilliant composers Jalen and William Pazinski in conversation over at TalkHouse.com now. And coming up very soon punk innovator Martin Rev of Suicide in conversation with my favorite ambient artist alive, Juliana Barwick. If you want more Jen and Jenna in the meantime, be sure to check out their amazing written work for TalkHouse.com. And for more TalkHouse.com, follow us on social media at TalkHouse across the board. You can also hear a fantastic episode recorded backstage at Pitchfork Music Festival in 2015 at TalkHouse.com featuring Jenna Hunter in conversation with the incomparable Mike Adrius, a.k.a. Perfume Genius. Today's episode is recorded and co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. Thanks, Mark. All right, I think that's about it for us, right, Elia? We're Let's good? Let's call it, man. All right, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>